Welcome to Montrose Podcast, the official podcast of Montrose School here in Medfield, Massachusetts, where girls are called to greatness. I'm your host, Mary Cahill Farella, and I'm very happy that you can join us. Maybe you're an avid supporter of Montrose, a current parent, or a friend of the school. Or maybe you're new to Montrose, an independent school for girls in grades 6 through 12, inspired by the teachings of the Catholic Church. Here, young women achieve academic excellence in a rich liberal arts environment by developing enduring habits of mind, heart, and character. Thanks for joining us as we explore topics that highlight the power of a Montrose education and how it affects the world around us. In this episode of Montrose Podcast, we're taking a look back at commencement 2018. One of the things that's most impressive about Montrose students is that each young woman speaks in her own voice. In this case, there were two valedictorians who spoke as Montrose's class of 2018 prepared to receive their diplomas. First up is Annika Ignatius, calling her classmates to greatness beyond Montrose. Have a listen. Self-assured, armed with set friend groups, and they even knew Latin. For these reasons, my Montrose classmates intimidated me when I first met them on the freshman year Boston trip. However, my anxiety quickly dissipated over the course of the year, and instead, my admiration blossomed. Indeed, my classmates display boundless talent, but the class of 2018 allows their humility and humor to impress the most. At our senior prom, we dominated the dance floor. Boys doing backflips failed to outclass Keely Dumichel's somersault. <laughs> our ear-piercing rendition of All Star led by Jocelyn Kelly was possibly Grammy-worthy. I digress. Have you ever observed a grandfather clock, also known as a pendulum clock? In a grandfather clock, each timekeeping gear moves a different needle, but proves equally important to the clock's overall function. Whatever career you wish to pursue in life, I would recommend that you perceive your work like a gear in a grandfather clock. You must perform to your optimal ability so that you can ultimately fulfill a higher purpose of service to your fellow man. Whether you practice Catholicism or any other religion, we can all appreciate the humbling power of Mark 10.45 that reminds us, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The unity of our class hinges upon our diversity. We possess unique life purposes and contrasting talents, but we all receive the call to serve. My classmates run marathons, lead plays, and even craft alternate zombie-themed endings for Virginia Woolf's novel, To the Lighthouse. <laughs> we are invaluable gears in this pendulum clock of Montrose, and we will continue to contribute as such in our future communities. After graduation, my 40 friends and I will all immerse ourselves in communities far larger than our wonderful, intimate circle from high school. Just as at Montrose, we will weather successes and failures. Our problems will differ from worrying about an A-push test grade or a mole project in chemistry, but we can address these challenges because our high school experiences allowed us to develop perseverance. It is the lowest points in life that tests a person's character. For this very reason, I urge each of my fellow classmates to solidify your confidence from within rather than from the approval of others. Your happiness equates to strength. When I set aside time to visit Boston with my friends or drink tea with my patient mother or take a ballet class with my favorite teacher, these experiences bring me joy and provide me with a moment of calm amidst stress. Honor work and academics 
but also remember the people and activities that matter most to you. When I reflect upon people who matter to me, I recall the advice from my mother and aunt about the importance of operating in your own circle. Allow me to explain my interpretation. Society portrays life as a race with set lanes in which competitors run ahead or fall behind. But life really resembles the Mad Tea Party ride at Disney World. <laughs> in the Mad Tea Party, each teacup revolves in its own circle and spins according to how the commander at the wheel imparts direction and speed. Failure preys upon self-doubt and may convince you that you lack talents compared to your peers. On the contrary, success may delude you due to the heaps of accompanying praise. Yet you exist neither behind nor ahead of your peers, and I hope this fact empowers you. We will all arrive at our respective dreams on our own schedules. We command our own circles. High school, college applications, and the many tests you will take in your educational career all remain important, but these trials mark near stopping points along your life's arc, a journey that stands as uniquely yours. Consider yourself a modern Dante from the Divine Comedy, charged with finding your purpose, but always capable of seeking guidance. Take every failure and transform it into a new triumph. The Wright brothers needed to fail to engineer the first airplane, and Misty Copeland needed to overcome rejection to become American Ballet Theater's first African-American principal ballerina. If you persevere, you can soar with the Titans. Perseverance separates strong characters from the weak, but I recognize that this quality seems lofty to uphold. Fellow classmates, are you tired? You have a right to be. You worked tirelessly for four years, both inside and outside of school. Still, this graduation symbolizes another starting point rather than a finish line, and that should excite you. You now have far more chances to grow and cultivate your inner strength. Consider these words from acclaimed theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking, who passed away earlier this year. However difficult life may seem, there is always something you can do and succeed at. Hawking lived with ALS, a neurodegenerative disease that impaired him physically. But he investigated the secrets of our universe in groundbreaking fashion. Hawking pondered why the universe exists at all and in this manner. The thought of life after graduation might invoke some fear in you, as it does in me, but I hope that our newfound independence frees us all to ask questions, succeed, and fail like Hawking. In my experience at Montrose, watching women lead discussions inspired me to an unimaginable degree. I believe more than ever that strong girls can run the world. This day marks the beginning of the next chapter in our life story, and now we must turn the pages. Go forth with the bravery to address challenges, the humility to ask for help, and the courage to adapt to change. Above all, remain curious, find your purpose, and protect your happiness. And now we hear from Elizabeth Ling, challenging her classmates to find their work and embrace their mission. Before dance on Monday nights, my sister and I would always rush over to school um, to my grandparents' house to grab a good meal, normally consisting of the best chicken wings known to mankind, and sneak in a little bit of homework before a strenuous hour and a half of exercise. <laughs> and you might be thinking to yourself, Elizabeth Lang, exercise, what is this? Uh, yeah, except I'm pretty sure it's pronounced help, I am dying. <laughs> I digress. 
with people rushing in and out of the kitchen for food and changing into dance attire and solving that last math problem that nobody could ever figure out, it was hard to get in a decent conversation. However, when the clock struck 6.45 and the water bottles were in our dance bags, my grandfather, without fail, would say as we scrambled out the door, right, if you get work. <laughs> as I was preparing the speech, I began thinking more about the phrase, right, if you get work. It was a phrase I brushed aside thinking, the only work for me is my job at the library. And I take everything way too literally, by the way. <laughs> but what did my grandfather think of this phrase? In his days, you wrote because you could move across the United States, you found a better life for yourself, and you could finally afford postage to send a letter back. But when my grandfather passed away this April, and I found myself searching for old memories, I thought more and more about the phrase, right, if you get work. What is my work? What is our work? At Montrose, where the teachings are based on the teachings of St. Jose Maria, the idea of work is not unholy familiar to us. We work our very hardest for the glory of God. But as this chapter of our lives begins to close and we enter into a world of suffering and desolation, we need to ask ourselves again. <laughs> that was not supposed to be funny. <laughs> What is our work? You may be in your seat thinking, my work. Well, when Elizabeth Lane finally sits back down, my work will be to finish off all the food on my plate at the graduation reception. And there better be food, by the way. <laughs> and while that is the most noble cause, you would have sorely missed my point. Our work is to be that beacon, the personification of caritas, veritas, and libertas, and a world that forgets what love is, what compassion is, and most of all, what faith is. In a sense, Montrose has entrusted us all with a new mission, a new work laid out before us in the world. And I believe in all my heart that God has a purpose and a mission for all of you, although he hasn't yet contacted me with the details. <laughs> I know the impact this class will have on the world will be tremendous. There will be times of hardship and uncertainty, but we will empower ourselves and those around us who look to our examples and to our virtue. We will be that beacon shining our light through the darkness. So when you leave the stage, I don't want you to say to me, I'll write when I find work. I want you to say to yourself, I have found my work. Dr. Nicole Mercier, Montrose class of 1994, joined the graduates of 2018 on their special day. Dr. Mercier is an accomplished biotechnologist at Washington University in St. Louis, where she founded the Women in Innovation and Technology program. She's a graduate of both Clark University and the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Here's her advice for the class of 2018 to fulfill their call to greatness. Today, you start the next chapter on your call to greatness, empowered with strength of character and armed with a sharp intellect. How do I know this? Because while the size of our school buildings may have differed, the Montrose education you and I received has remained constant. You will find, as I did upon entering college, that such an education is truly a differentiating factor. It is unusual for an educational institute to place high value not only on academic enrichment, but also character development. 
Recently, a seasoned anthropologist reminded me that while foundational education is important, success is not primarily driven by your intellect. Rather, attributes like adaptation, flexibility, compassion, fortitude, those aspects manifested in your character contribute most heavily to those who find accomplishment in life. Montrose has afforded you strong roots by cultivating your character in its rich soil. You will want to cultivate these roots with nourishing soil as well and steer clear of contaminants. You will want to use your soil to cultivate those around you. In choosing this path, your individual call to greatness will flourish as you anticipate unexpected growth. My professional work, as Dr. Bullen pointed out, is in a field called technology transfer. Essentially, my office engages faculty members in their everyday scientific research to create paths for this research to become a commercial product that could benefit science, uh, society. Most of you here probably know somebody who has gone to the emergency room for chest pain. The standard tests that are run in the emergency room are a panel of markers that indicate stress or damage to the heart essentially telling you whether that patient has undergone a heart attack. The foundational work leading to these tests originated at my institution, my current institution, Washington University in St. Louis, and it was manifested through a partnership with Siemens Medical. Over my years in tech transfer, I've seen many academic products turned into exciting commercial pro sorry, many academic projects turned into exciting commercial products. But the majority of wins have come out of male scientific labs. Therefore, about six years ago, I started researching the disparity between how male and female scientists approach commercializing their work. After reading countless articles and always loving a good experiment as a scientist, I had an idea that might encourage more female scientists to engage in tech transfer, even if it was only at my university. So, I created a program to lower the barriers to engagement for our female scientists, specifically I sought to empower them with the language of commercialization and give them a network of individuals who could help them bring their projects down the development pathway. Five years after the initiation of our WIT program, almost 50% of scientific discoveries that my office reviews have contributions from women inventors. Moreover, we now have successful women entrepreneurs who have started their own companies. For me, it's their success stories that I know we have done our job and we have touched somebody. Dr. Jennifer Silva participated in our WIT program as a cardiologist who runs an electrophysiology lab. She has developed a method to visualize a patient's anatomy using holographic augmented reality. Use of this techniques helps cardiologists perform a multitude of processes um, with better accuracy and something as simple as being able to thread a catheter better. In the brief time since her company formation, MedTech Boston has named Centiar in the top five virtual reality digital health companies. That's impressive, right? It was never in my job description to empower our female inventors. I merely just wanted to understand a gap that, exist, it, that existed and I wanted to start with a small idea. Oftentimes, my WIT program competes with the actual responsibilities of my job. But now, five years later, my office is a leader in women innovator programming, and we are often sought out to help other universities address the disparity at their own institutions. So there's no going back, rather just the question of what more can we do. Shortly, 
You, the class of 2018, will become graduates of Montrose School, a school where girls are called to greatness. And from what I've heard, you are a class poised to fulfill this calling. I had the opportunity to review some of your achievements and glean topics of importance to each of you from your capstone project choices. What I have seen indicated strong roots that could be used to drive purposeful change in this world. Your capstone projects clustered around topics of meaning and impact, such as compassion for the underserved, Carly, Alexandra, Margaret, Olivia, Jocelyn, Kelsey, Emma Lucy, Catherine, and Yuyu. Human health, Grace, Regina, Kira Hernan, Annika, Julia, Emma, Emma Portnova, Emily, and Kira Young. Care for our world, Nora and Abigail. Seeking truth in politics and ethics, Anya, Eileen, Kira, Keely, Kira Dunn, Gabrielle, Hannah, Anne, Alexandra, Sophia, Therese, and Molly. Validating women in their quest for equality and respect, Olivia, Masal, Margaret, Hannah, and Yvonne. Preserving the value of human capital, Isabel, Karan, Cheng Wei, Elizabeth, Adriana. Impressive, right? Think of these feelings you had upon completing your projects. Relief from and pride in your hard work, triumph, adrenaline, ability to invoke a meaningful impact. Those feelings you had will provide the power that ignites a drive for change, but your character is the only thing that can truly sustain that drive, enabling you to achieve your goals. But ladies, I have to tell you, the path of the change maker is not an easy one. It is much easier to be the bystander than the advocate, to go along with the crowd than to fight for truth. Easier to give up than to persevere in cultivating and building up those around you. Abby Wambach from the US women's soccer team recently spoke to Barnard graduates. She told them that soccer didn't make her who she was, but that she brought who she was to soccer. What defines me as a mother a leader, a colleague, or a supporter of women innovators is stepping up to the opportunity where I can bring my character to everyday situations and impact the lives around me. And so, when the opportunity arises, I say yes. Albeit sometimes, I give a little nod above and I say, Holy Spirit, you got this, right? Because I definitely don't and I'm going to need your gifts today. But then with conviction, I do say yes. Saying yes, whether in the professional or the personal sphere, can be exhausting. Alongside my work, I am a mother and a wife. There's a long-standing debate over moms who work full-time out of the house and their real commitment to family. Too long-standing for details and too long-standing for me. But I have a vision that I share with my husband for our children. And it takes these same differentiating factors that I use at work to ensure that my vision for my children comes to fruition. In setting this path, my husband and I make conscious parenting decisions. Decisions to instill generosity and charity in our children by partnering with a local foster care organization that allows our children to collect birthday gifts for foster care birthday buddies rather than getting gifts for themselves. Decisions to instill the importance of family when we take all four kids and we throw them in a minivan just to drive 12 hours on a long weekend so that we can be at a family event. Whenever I mention to people that I work full-time and the type of role that I have with four kids, the response is unanimous, and I'm guessing some of you are maybe thinking it out there right now. How do you do that? How do you manage? 
Most of the time I give a just response, really low expectations. <laughs> but today I'll share the truth with you. I've asked God many, many times to remove what often feels like a burden and definitely is constant chaos. But his response to each of my pleading novenas, and I tell you I've said at least four, has been, you are right where I want you. So, right where I am, I set a multitude of reminders on my phone so that I don't forget simple things, like a big project that my kids have for school, or that I volunteered to make a meal for a sick friend, or to even hug my husband in the morning, lest the chaos of our life make me overlook someone so important. I often sacrifice sleep to get the extras done, like sew a patch on a uniform, or complete a work, or write a commencement address. <laughs> Many days I'm tired, and I don't feel like my call to greatness has been all that great. My job doesn't shut off after 40 hours, and my kids certainly don't. Sometimes, well, oftentimes, I wake up and I console myself with the thought that surely there were mornings that St. Mother Teresa didn't want to get out of bed. But then I think about every day she did get out of bed. She awoke to serve the poor and those who couldn't help themselves. She said yes to using her differentiating factors, her character. And while I have far more fatal flaws than St. Mother Teresa, it somehow gives me the strength to say yes to managing my chaos. Because this is where he wants me, and my call to greatness is, and will continue to be marked by the use of my differentiating factors, my character, in order to impact the lives around me. So many words, right? So what's the takeaway for anticipatory graduates like you, the class of 2018? I would not be where I am today if I didn't take the opportunities presented to me. I said yes to Clark University, which was not my first choice, but gave me a full scholarship. I said yes to getting a doctorate when my graduate advisor told me I was smart and I needed to set my sights higher. I said yes when my husband told me we needed to move to St. Louis just for three or four years. It's been 13. <laughs> I said yes when they asked me to step up into my current role. Not always knowing how things would work out, I said yes. So, to you, the class of 2018, when the opportunity presents, say yes, because your character foundation will always be your compass, enabling you to find your way even when the path isn't obvious. When the opportunity presents, Say yes, because you are Montrose graduates with strong roots and rich soil, and you have the ability to cultivate others around you. When the opportunity presents, say yes, because your leadership, predicated on the foundation set in your Montrose years and marked by your differentiating factors, will evoke change that is most needed in this world and will enable you to fulfill your call to greatness. The power of a Montrose education is as varied and limitless as its students. Each young woman has her own story to tell and tells it with confidence. Each graduate, armed with the habits of heart, mind, and character, leaves Montrose ready to make the world a better place. I'm your host, Mary Cahill Farella. Thanks for joining me for this look back at Commencement 2018.
That's it for this episode of Montrose Podcast. Please subscribe and listen to our other episodes to hear more about what contributes to our students' character formation. You'll hear from teachers, alumni, and outside experts on topics like design thinking, why math matters, and habits of mind. Learn about the ambition of the Montrose mission, the relevance of the conversation started here, and how our students leave Montrose prepared for the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Thanks for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. Thank you.